You are listening to the Advanced Colorado Rundown, Colorado's conservative podcast, providing insight and thought-provoking discussions on Colorado's most critical policy issues. Let's join George Brockler and Michael Fields for today's edition. Welcome to another edition of maybe the best podcast in this price range, and that is the Advanced Colorado Rundown. My name is George Brockler, and this is Michael Fields. Michael Fields, and we're going to bring you up to date on all things going on under the Gold Dome and just beyond that uh, for purposes of Colorado state government and elsewhere. And today we are joined by a very special guest, a guy I have known from in uniform and out of uniform and a brilliant, I want to say younger, not young anymore, but uh, Dan Burroughs. Dan, thanks for joining us. Thanks. I think I aged out of young Republicans this year when I turned 40, so... Is that it? Middle-aged Republicans. I think the movie that that tried to emulate is Logan's Run. You know, like once right. you hit 40, you <laughs> had to go. <laughs> if you haven't seen that movie and you're listening to this, chances are you've been a hostage somewhere for a long time. Now, Dan, tell us who you are, what you do, and then let's talk about this great topic. I'm the legal director at Advance Colorado, and I like to say that uh, I make the government play by the rules. How do you do that? So I, uh, I bring uh, lawsuits against the government complaining about constitutional violations. Um, and I sort of have a roving commission to take on conservative causes and, you know, hoist the black flag and start slitting throats uh, when those things happen. That, that sounds awfully peaceful, um, <laughs> especially the way you describe it. Uh, Michael, you want to set the stage for how we end up getting to have Dan on here to talk about something that he just filed in court? Yeah, so Advanced Colorado Institute uh, just filed this lawsuit that I'll let Dan talk more about. But basically, it's campaign finance related, talking about uh, the limits uh, that these uh, legislative and statewide candidates have. Uh, in terms of how much they can raise from a donor. And so I'll let Dan uh, talk a little bit more about what that lawsuit looks like and what he thinks the chances are. Well, yeah, and Dan, let me ask you to start off with, why is that a bad thing? Why is that a, a, a problem? Look, ultimately, it's about, it's about free speech. Um, people associate with candidates. Candidates run their campaigns, uh, and they're, they're pushing a message. It might be a left-of-center message. It might be a right-of-center message. It might be a cuckoo message from Mars if you're running Bernie Sanders campaign. But nonetheless, you're you're running a message and it takes money to get that message out. And when the government steps in and says, well, you can only spend X amount or you can only raise Y amount, that's the government deciding that there should be a limit on people's exercise of their free speech rights and of their rights to free association. And the Constitution simply does not tolerate that which constitution the united states constitution so that's actually a good question the colorado constitution is what actually imposes these limits um the the funny thing is it was added in 2002 uh and what's now article 28 of the colorado constitution but was i think amendment 27 is what it was at the time um but it has been declared unconstitutional various aspects of it it's a huge uh provision but it's been declared unconstitutional numerous times i think i list out uh, one time it was about like 12 or 14 cases that have declared different parts of article 28 unconstitutional 
This is Cam, a what was the, part. Go ahead. What was the legal reasoning that the court gave for why they shot those down? So it's almost always a free speech problem. So Article 28 relates to campaign finance issues. And the Supreme Court of the United States has said, uh, look, obviously there are free speech and free association implications that come with that. The government can regulate campaign finances in the interest of preventing corruption. And by that, they mean true, actual quid pro quo, cash for favors corruption, not just, I feel like this guy has too much influence. Um, but we're not just, Hey, I'm going to do your bidding Kim Kardashian in the hopes that you'll be there when I run for, I'm just making that up. That's a (laughs) hypothetical. Theoretically, theoretically, if that were to happen. Right. So look, uh, what the Supreme court has said is influence and access are a part of democracy. People donate to candidates because they believe in their message or they believe in the policies that they're going to enact. And it is only rational that politicians will feel, um, you know, happy for those people who help them out on along the way and B will have goals that are already aligned, regardless of whether they have donated money before. So what it's really about is contributing to causes that you believe in. You know, you contribute to a politician because you believe in that politician, you believe in his message the same way that you might contribute to, you know, United Way or uh, the Denver Rescue Mission or your kid's school because you believe in the mission and what they're trying to accomplish. Um, So that's the that's the legal theory. So what we've sued about is a very particular piece of Article 28 that sets the uh, contribution limits for candidates. So for people who don't know. Candidates in Colorado who run statewide are limiting to limited to accepting no more than uh, I believe it's one thousand two hundred and fifty dollars for the vast majority of statewide candidates. The rest of the candidates, so legislative candidates, uh, district attorneys, district attorneys, and the one statewide candidate, uh, candidates for a board of regents, are limited to accepting no more than four hundred dollars. One thing you have to remember is the $400 limit especially was enacted in 2002. So $400 in 2002 today translates to somewhere in the neighborhood of $270. So you've got people. Wait, 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 wait. It's less now than it was back then? No, the buying power of it, right? So if you had what you could buy for $400 in 2002 is only what you could buy for about $270 today. Sweet mother of goodness. Is there a way to say $400 back then is like uh, $700 today or something like that? Well, so there you could, you could inflate, right? So the idea is even if you agree that what you could buy with $400 in 2002 was good, uh, to be able to saying. buy yeah. the same amount of stuff, you would have yeah, to have just has, $775. It today. hasn't kept up. The buying power. Right. It hasn't kept up. And there's, there's complicated legal reasons for that. There is an inflation adjuster in the constitution, but it, it doesn't work properly, basically. So inflation in in that amount of time has gone up 55%. The actual limits, the $400 limit has not changed at all. The larger limit has only gone up uh, about $250. And individuals can give as much as they want to their own campaign, right? So this is uh, a low playing field for certain candidates But if they give their own money, they can give an unlimited, like Jared Polis gave $25 million to his gubernatorial. That's absolutely right. 
So this this is campaign in Colorado history. But it sounds like this amendment was designed to reward the super rich at the expense of Jane and Joe Q lunch pail. Who put this thing on the ballot and funded it to get passed to begin with? Uh, So it was primarily run by Common Cause uh, back in 2002. I I think like I, I prefer to attribute things to ignorance and stupidity rather than malice. Maybe that's naive, but I think people do have sort of an idea that like this will make government better, but it has been demonstrably failed at everything they claimed it was going to do. They said it was going to keep money out of politics and yet the cost of elections has increased uh, far faster than inflation. I mean, we just had the most expensive gubernatorial election in history last year. It said it was going to, you know, even the playing field, but all it's done is allowed self funders to buy offices as opposed to, you know, real citizen candidates who have to raise grassroots money. It's, it's had the exact opposite effect of what people thought it would do, but it's, I, I mean, look, it's, Dan, do you think this think has had are, a hand in pushing more of the campaign money into what people call the dark money into the third, the third oh, party yeah, stuff? Look, money is like water. It finds a way. You don't keep money out of politics, and it's naive to think that's possible. So what it's done, it has instead funneled money to unaccountable independent expenditure committees who the candidates have no control over, and oftentimes run arguments that, uh, you know, are contrary to the message the candidate would like to be pushing, right? People are still donating to these groups and independent expenditure committees don't have any sort of limits on the amount they can spend. They just have to report it. So I mean, the, the upshot is that uh, money is still in politics. Politics is still expensive. And all they've done is kneecap the candidates themselves in getting out their message and really appealing to voters. And those are the people, those are the people we want to hear from. Does the Supreme Court distinguish between money going out and coming into a campaign, such as, yeah. you know, the, 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 the free speech of the candidate versus the people that want to support them? Yeah, so the, the key case on that is this case uh, called Buckley from, 19, from the 1970s. And the Supreme Court, uh, in an opinion that has been almost entirely overruled except sort of the core (laughs) holding and the core holding is that you can't limit expenditures at all but you can limit uh donations and the idea is that well when you're donating it's not really the donor's speech it's more of their affiliation interests but when you're spending it really is the campaign speech that's the theory, whether you buy it or not is, you know, up to you, but that's what the law says and has said for, you know, 30 or 40 years. Um, that's part of what we're attacking in Colorado. Colorado actually has an expenditure limit, but they do it a weird way. What they do is they say, if you accept voluntary, and I put voluntary in quotes, so we'll come back to I that. Saw that. Voluntary, I saw that on video. <laughs> voluntary expenditure limits, then you can accept twice as large of donations. And so the way that plays out is, you know, my client, one of my clients is, is Greg Lopez and Greg Lopez is running in a primary. He says, I want to exercise my free speech rights to their fullest. Uh, 
So I'm not going to take expenditure limits, especially if I get to the general election. I'm running against a guy who uses personal fortune to dump, you know, millions upon millions. It would be ridiculous for me to agree to limit my campaign right. spending. Right. But his opponent in the primary has taken the expenditure limits. So, Greg, the largest donation he can accept is one thousand two hundred fifty dollars. Yet his opponent can accept twenty five hundred dollar donations. The Supreme Court has never approved of a system hmm. that allows people running for the exact same office to accept different uh, donation amounts. It just doesn't make sense. And it, I mean, that has a problem two ways, right? One is either you're stuck into an impossible choice. One is you do what, what Greg Lopez does and says, I'm not going to limit my speech. I'm not going to limit the ways I can advocate for my campaign. And so therefore, my opponent gets to raise more. Or you can do what our other client, Rod Pelton, who's running for the state Senate did and say, look, if I don't take these limits, then I'm going to give my opponent an impossible advantage. So I have to take the limits and I have to agree to limit my speech. I mean, in both cases, it's a it's an infringement on these people's First Amendment rights. Is that what are the other aspects then of the suit? That one makes sense to me. And what I mean by that is I don't understand how they're able to make that distinction, certainly under the First Amendment. What are the other aspects of this? And what's the end state, Dan? You win this thing. What does the universe look like? Yeah, we're intending to ask for an injunction. I, they, the universe looks like whatever the legislature decides, but the numbers as they are now are just untenable. And our position is, look, you can have limits. Limits are acceptable. We're not challenging the idea that you can't have some limit, but the limit has to be high enough that a challenger can run a legitimate campaign against an incumbent or for an open seat. And that is simply impossible at, you know, $400 donation. I mean, it's a good example, George, you ran in a district that's larger than a congressional district. And congressional candidates raised thousands per person. And you had to run that around $400 max that's right. donations. That's, that's correct. Right? It's simply, it's simply impossible. I mean, the, the DA that covers, you know, Jeffco and Gilpin County, that's almost the size of a congressional district. And he's got to run on $400 donations. And this is how irrational the system is. Gee. County commissioners can raise $2,500 per person, more than a gubernatorial, than a governor's candidate can raise. I think the assessor and the, and the coroner can all do that too. Yeah. Rod Pelton who's running to represent 13 different counties in the state Senate can take $400. It's just, it's an irrational system. And if, if the idea is that, well, we're protecting from corruption, Department of Justice statistics show there is far more corruption at the municipal and county level than there is at the state, almost twice as much. If you're worried about corruption, worry about those contributions to, you know, county commissioners, not to some state legislator who's like one of 40 or 50 in a body. So if you get this injunction, what are the limits going to be for the election for 2022? Well, I mean, it, it really depends what the injunction looks like. Um, there is a, it's conceivable that the judge just says, and this really would be the proper role for the judiciary. Look, these limits are no good. Y'all figure it out. It's not my job to come up with new limits. Agreed. Right? That would be the proper Agreed. thing for a judge to do. And then, you know, the legislature, if they're still in session, could pass something new. The funny thing is this actually happened uh, in, in 1999. Somebody brought a very similar lawsuit. At the time, they had, funny enough, uh, $1,000 limits on statewide candidates. They brought this same lawsuit that we're bringing. The federal judge said this is no good. 
the legislature came in and raised the limits to $5,000 per candidate all the way back in 1999. Then Common Cause uh, apparently didn't like the Constitution and decided to reverse it, ran Amendment 27 and put the limit right back at the $1,000 limit that had just been declared unconstitutional. It's like willful violation of constitutional rights. Uh, frankly, I'm baffled that I am the first person who's gotten around to filing a lawsuit in this amount of time. They should have filed the thing in 2002. Let me ask you, Dan, then what's the timeline look like? I mean, we're in the, the heat of the campaign season, right? Like primaries are going to start to be impacted by assemblies as early as March. Yeah, yeah look, caucuses are in March. Yeah. 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 We're going to be getting all that. So what's the timeline look like in federal court to get some sort of a decision on this and a decision that may have an impact? My worry would be a judge wanting to push this off past November so that any decision that that upturn, you know, overturns the law doesn't have any impact on this election cycle. So we haven't filed our uh, motion for a preliminary injunction yet, but that'll be filed this week. Um, but my experience is that the federal judges in Denver are conscientious about these things and they try to have rulings on them uh, relatively quickly. I suspect we will have a ruling one way or the other before the caucuses sit. And then also if we appeal it or if we win and the state appeals it, the 10th Circuit is required to take appeals from preliminary injunctions on an expedited basis. So obviously the, the preliminary injunction is not the whole ball game, but for our clients, you know, lack of preliminary relief is probably no relief at all, right? The election will be over by the time this thing goes through discovery, by the time we get a final uh, judgment one way or the other. The preliminary relief is, is important in these cases. Who's going to f- defend this on behalf of the, the state? I mean, the, the AG's office. Interesting. Bill Weiser and his uh, employees. A dude who has banked north of $2 million already for his reelection campaign? Yeah. So, I, I mean, that's sort of the problem with these limits, right, is they allow incumbents to solidify an already strong position. True. I mean, the incumbent is in office for four years. He's raising money that entire time. The, the challengers come out of the woodwork, you know, in the last year or so before the election actually occurs and have to catch up, not to mention the incumbent has name recognition advantages. And when these cases have gone to the Supreme Court before, that's what they've pointed out. If you're going to have contribution limits, they have to at least give challengers a fighting chance, right? So this isn't about, look, I... I we're in a state where we can't win elections. This is about candidate on candidate. Can a candidate raise what it takes to have a legitimate campaign? I mean, we've got data, uh, the average cost of a state legislative campaign, a competitive one. So not, you know, ones where one party gets 80% of the vote every time, but a, a competitive campaign, the average cost of a competitive state legislative campaign is just short of $350,000. Yikes. If you've got to raise that $400, that's max. Most people are not max donors, but just how many max donors go into that? I mean, I'm bad at math, but it's a lot. If we raise yeah. it to, you know, 400,000, which maybe about is what Challenger has to, has to get, yeah, we're talking lot. about 1,000 max donors. So yeah, 10, that's, a, that's a ton. Michael, another hot topic right now taking place in the state of Colorado. Go. 
Yeah. So you think about uh, the fact that we have this audit committee in the state legislature, uh, you know, that goes and, and looks at different departments, figures out what happens in cer- certain circumstances. Um, there was a vote this last week uh, in the audit committee to look into something very important, uh, COVID testing and and the failures that happened uh, at nursing homes. And so we in Colorado had 1,100 nursing home deaths. Oh, my um, God. Yeah, we had 1,100 of them. And basically, we wanted to know why there were so many uh, false negatives that, uh, that, that happened. People that, uh, you know, were positive were ended up spreading it to other uh, areas of, of the nursing home, etc. And uh, the Democrats on that committee, uh, on a party line vote, shot down the, the idea of doing a audit of why what? this thing failed, what was behind it. Uh, what we could do better in the future. And so I thought that was a, a vote that we should at least inform uh, inform the, the people listening to this uh, about and saying, why would we be covering up for uh, a company that failed uh, and, and you know, legislators that weren't providing the oversight that we needed uh, to make sure that, that people were safe? This was a company, by the way, that I think got, if I got this number right, would you say $90 million, $90 million. Dollars of money? Um, they failed almost entirely in their stated purpose. The person that launched this thing, and by the way, it was like virtually a no-bid contract that Mm -hmm. took place. Um, The kid that's running it, and he's like a kid, had never done anything like this ever before. He was just this wild entrepreneur who promised all these great results that didn't work. CDPHE ultimately had to back out and say, we're not going to use these tests anymore because they're not... We didn't get a single penny back. Somehow they were able, even though the contract was terminated early, somehow they were able to bill for almost every penny of the $90 million. What were the arguments, if you know, advanced by those in the legislature who thought transparency sucked? Um, I didn't, I don't know. I I don't know what the the exact arguments they made. Uh, A lot of times these party line votes, you know, there isn't a whole lot of talk and they just say, no, uh, we have other things to, to focus on. And I think that's the biggest thing with the audit committees, you can always say we have a long list of things that we're already looking into stuff that's already on the schedule. Uh, and, and so they just they shot it down. And one of the members of that committee, Dylan Roberts, uh, who is running for uh, election in the state Senate, uh, did not show up and got replaced. Uh, and then, you know, a couple minutes later oh, on the floor God. is back is back. Uh, whoa, you know, whoa. So he, he didn't have to go on the record and vote. That's so weird that he that wouldn't is weird. Have to... uh, total wow. coincidence, I'm sure. But yeah, as you said, this guy was a major uh, Democratic donor in, in this last election. And you think about, you know, just the fact that the transparency that people should look into it, it's not even holding anybody accountable. It's just getting the information out there uh, was shot down. And so I think that's that's very disappointing. And you think about you know, the the consequences of having these tests that are messed up in a nursing home where the people are most vulnerable, where, you know, people, you have the most deaths in older people, people with pre-existing conditions, Amazing. et cetera. Uh, this isn't like, you know, they got this wrong with kids who, uh, you know, don't, don't have the same kind of reaction. This is the worst of the worst. Uh, and so, you know, this is something that, that should have been looked into. And I hope these people who voted against it uh, are held accountable. I'm not sure how they're going to be held accountable at this point, given the fact that um, the people who are currently in charge of making decisions about what get audited, what gets audited, have decided that they don't want to know. It's almost like uh, ignorance is bliss thing. One of the things I did hear come out of that, and I can't remember who made the statement, was, well, you know, the governor's appointed head of CDPHE. Uh, said that they just made the best decision they could with the information they had. So why do we need to dig around any deeper? And I thought, 
Really? I mean, is yeah. that where government, I mean, this that's, same That's not issue, how it works, right? You no, could say you were wrong and, and you could say, you know, people shouldn't uh, get course. in trouble because of that or something. But at least going back and saying, how was that decision made uh, poorly? Why was it made that way? Is there something that we can do better? I mean, this is the whole point of, of engaging in this is to learn. Uh, and so I think that's a, a terrible argument, uh, if that's the argument they made. This same issue became a huge scandal in a teeny tiny state called New York with the same thing with the governor who went down the same road. In that case, though, the media and the legislature actually did something called, quote, their jobs. Uh, in this state, it was like reported for a little bit and then people have moved on. The audit yeah. committee thing, it got reported and they just moved on. It's like, are you kidding me? With different people in different leadership positions from different parts of the ideological spectrum, I can see this being an everyday issue for certain news channels. Instead, it's like, no, no, well, let's move on. Yeah, I, th- I think that's absolutely right. Um, the you know public radio, Colorado Public Radio did an initial story. We've seen maybe a handful of, yeah, ben of stories about this job. about this audit. Um, but it really hasn't been covered to the degree that it should, and it should be a day in and day out thing. I think one of the issues too, though, is there's so many issues in Colorado right now from crime and, and affordability and everything else. There is a lot uh, of things that the media is chasing after, but I think there should be nothing more important than, you know, what happened, uh, especially in these nursing homes, the accountability, uh, potential, you know, corruption in terms of covering up for people uh, that have big contracts, that have no bid contracts. I think this is something that, that should get a lot more focus. Listen, and I think other folks don't appreciate, too, that the person that ended up being uh, the top of the CDPHE pyramid for decision making on stuff like this ended up getting uh, invited to and spent a couple nights at the home at the luxurious super mansion-y you and I can't even get onto the front yard kind of a home out there thinking near Aspen and uh, with a major donor. I mean, uh, and a contributor in this entrepreneurial company, the one that got the $90 million no bid contract. And it was right after that, that they started having email conversations about, hey, these guys can fulfill all the state's needs. What is going on? Craziness. Just yeah, craziness. I think this is one of the reasons why you need balance in government or, uh, you know, people that are willing to, to take on their own party to say, look, something went wrong. We should know and get to the bottom of it. And so I hope that, um, you know, the Republicans on the, on the committee continue to bring this up and say, we're going to keep bringing it back to the audit committee until you vote yes uh, on it. And if that takes two years, it's still worth looking into yep. figuring out uh, in the future. So I think we'll keep an eye on this one. I think it should be uh, a topic that, that we continue to delve into. I agree with you, man. Hey, great stuff on today's episode. We'll be back at you with more in the very near future. Until that time, you've been listening to the Advanced Colorado Rundown with me, George, and this other guy, Michael Fields. Michael Fields. Talk to you next time. Hey, if you like what you're hearing, uh, go to your local podcasting platform. The one that I use is Google, Apple, Spotify. Stitcher and all the millions of others out there download it subscribe to it share it with your listener base with your friends with your family and let's get this thing going you've been listening to the advanced Colorado rundown brought to you by advanced Colorado the conservative thought leader driving dialogue and solutions to Colorado's most critical policy issues find them at advancedcolorado.org three-star general Michael J. Flynn head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency knew all the government's dirty secrets he was one of the most respected generals in the military Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to he understood its funding he ordered the first audit of the use of contractors this set off alarm bells the explosive new documentary Flynn 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.